Good morning, church family. If you can find your ways back to your seats, if you're here, and if you're watching online, thank you for joining us again. Uh, and if this is your first time, I really appreciate the opportunity to speak with you. Um, as you probably know, uh, we've started a series in First Peter, and uh, our, our series is entitled, Not Home Yet. Not at Home Yet. So speaking to this text was, was speaking to some uh, Jewish believers who had kind of been scattered around and, and uh, they were going through a lot of difficulties and persecutions and uh, suffering in many ways. And the uh, letter from the Apostle Peter to them was, was really kind of relating to them an understanding of the fact that they were uh, not home. This is not their home yet. And that has quite a, an application to us as Christians because sometimes we can try and get comfortable here in this world and think that this is it. This is what we're living for. This is our, this is our best life we could have. And yet, the scriptures would say to us, no, actually, you're kind of like a pilgrim. You're, you're an alien and you're traveling through this life until you really get to your true home. And so this morning's message from 1 Peter is going to be called, titled, The Exile's Journey. Because uh, while we are exiles in this world, you know, hopefully we are on a journey with purpose and with focus. And uh, we have our eyes on something more than just what's happening around us because we can be tossed to and fro by uh, good times and difficult times together. So I want to start off by reading our text um, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 13 and 21, and then I'll pray. Therefore, preparing your minds for action, and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be, should be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you are ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things like such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. Let's pray. Lord, it's easy to think that this is our home, this Location, this set of circumstances around us, our possessions, the governments, the relationships. We, we can think of this as being where we are to live our lives and to focus our lives. And yet, Lord, you, you would say to us that, that we are exiles here. And we are traveling through this life with purpose, but with a new destination. 
And so, Lord, I, I pray that you'd help me to communicate uh, these truths in a way that freshly uh, stirs our hearts. Lord, would you help me to communicate in a way that's clear and accurate to your word? And would you, would you move in our hearts that we would have ears to hear and hearts to respond to your holy word? And so we commit this time to you now. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, there's a lot of great stories. A lot of great uh, stories. Some of them are fiction stories, and some of them are actual uh, stories about real-life situations. And many of those stories are, are about a journey that someone's on, and they're, and they're headed for a goal. And you get to watch all the difficulties and all the trials and all the drama that goes on in those stories. And you get to see the sacrifices that are made in order to reach a goal. And so I'm going to need your help here for this opening illustration. So I need a little bit of participation from you all. And I'm going to put up a few stories. And what I'm looking to hear is, first of all, what is the story? Who's the main character? And what is their goal? Or what is their hope? So this is the first one. What is the story? Indiana Jones and, nope, not the crusade, the Holy Grail. So what were they after? The Holy Grail, okay. This next one's a little newer. What's this one? Jungle Cruise is right. And who are the main characters here? Dr. Lily and what's his name? Frank. <laughs> different movie. Different movie. The Rock is a different movie. You would be right, but not accurate. So. And what are they searching for? Eternal life, a tree of life, right. How about this one? What's the movie? Voyage of the Dawn Treader, the Chronicles of Narnia. Okay, and who's this? Who's this little guy? It's who? No, it's not Ratatouille. <laughs> it's Reaper Cheap, right? Right. And what's Reaper Cheap? What's he looking for? Aslan's country, right? Aslan's country. He's looking for heaven, actually. Okay, now this is a true one. Who are these guys? The wise men, right. And what are they searching for? They're searching for the king of the Jews so they can worship him. So they can worship him. You know, in our text today, we're going to see another journey that people are on. The exiles were to be on. And this is really a, a picture of the Christian life, I think. And so it's another great story. And it's playing out in our lives. Or it should be playing out in our lives. And so as we read our text, I think we're going to see this. This is our big idea. We're going to see that exiles inspired by their awesome God should seek to live holy lives in their journey to a promised future. Exiles inspired by their awesome God should seek to live their lives, to live holy lives in their journey to a promised future. 
So let's look at the first point from our text today. I think the Apostle Peter said this. He said to set future hope as the journey's goal. So let's look at our text here. It starts off, Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the things that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, whenever you see the word therefore, you always need to go back before that to find why the therefore is therefore. So last week, Pastor Don, you know, shared with us from early on the chapter in verses, thir- excuse me, verses 3 through 6, and it says this, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy, has caused us to be born again to a living hope. You see, as we start off thinking about this journey, I think what the Apostle Peter wanted him first to think about was, what has God already done for you? What has God already promised to you? What is this hope that you're looking forward to? And it says here that uh, Don reminded us that we've been born again to a living hope. And it was God who did this. And it goes on, it says, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance we're looking forward to and we are reaching out for and looking ahead to an inheritance as Christians that's imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, and it's kept in heaven for us. I can't improve on what Don did last week. So if you've not heard that message, that was one of those messages I thought, I need this message. I need to think about this again and again and again. You know, there's messages that you really enjoy and you think, that was good, and you want to move on to, you know, something else. There's other messages, I think, that, that should impact our hearts because when Don shared that message last week, his title was Joy in the Midst of Trials and Suffering. And so if you're in a trial right now, if you're suffering right now, if you're discouraged right now, these are the things that you should wash your heart and your mind and remind your soul of. You know, your God, your Father, has caused you to be born again to a living hope. And he has promised to you an inheritance that's imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. And it's kept, it's protected in heaven for you. And it goes on, it says, God's, it's, it's by God's power that you're guarded through faith in a salvation that's going to be revealed at the last time. So in your journey of life, there should be a north star for you. <laughs> there should be a direction you're looking. When you're going through difficulties and trials and disappointments of life, you should have your eyes fixed on something that's in the future. I remember when uh, Wendy and I were just starting our family, and we took these Lamaze courses. And in the Lamaze course, they always told the woman as she was going through these horrendous, hours-long, you know, labor, that they needed a focal point. They needed something to look at, something to think about, something to focus their eyes on. Scripture says Jesus, who's the author of our faith, has fixed his eyes on the joy that was before him. In this journey of Christian life, 
with sorrows and disappointments and trials, what is your eye fixed on? Because if it's fixed on the trial, you won't have any joy. If it's fixed on the disappointments, you'll lack peace. But if you will fix your eyes on what is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading in heaven for you, what's guarded by God and protected by God, that will give you joy. That will give you a peace that surpasses all comprehension. That's what I want to work on. (laughs) That's what I want to keep my eye on. As life is not easy. As life is not what I hoped it would be, perhaps. But you have a secure hope. And so in our section here, starting in verse 13, he says, and therefore, in light of what God has said is coming for you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. When Jesus Christ returns, this is yours. It's not by faith anymore. It's by sight at that time. You will see it. You will experience it. You will have the full benefit of it at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So he says, therefore... In light of that, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded as you set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. You see, we have this hope, so we're not passive. We don't just hunker down and wait for that time. We have a purpose here. We have a mission here. We have a a journey to to live out. So when it says preparing your minds for action, it's not just some intellectual thing you think, oh, yeah, I've got my last days kind of theology in my mind, and I know what the answers are to the questions at the end of time, and I can kind of speculate as to what's happening in the world. Preparing your mind for action It's a preparation for resolve of how you're going to live your life. It says, be sober-minded. That has the idea like, there's a deadline coming on your job, you know. Well, on your job, you know, you, you kind of lay back and maybe don't work real hard at times because there's no deadline. But when you know something's due, something's coming, the, the, the boss is going to expect the project to be accomplished There's a soberness about that time because you think, I've just got this much time to accomplish this job, to finish this work. So he says, in light of what's going on around you, in light of the future hope that you have, prepare your mind for action and be sober-minded. Be careful. Evaluate your present situation. Evaluate if your behavior lines up with your goal, with your marching orders, your purpose, a consideration of your future goal, and an unseen reality that God will see your faith and will reward you on that day. He says, set your hopes, setting your hope fully on the grace that we brought to you. It's when we realize that we have a future hope, that there's a future grace, that there's grace now to be saved. When we realize that, that brings about a different response. Brothers and sisters, we're not working, we're not doing good deeds, we're not on mission so that we can go to heaven 
or so that we can be transformed, or so that we can have an inheritance, because God has promised that. God has accomplished that. And in one sense, we do play a part in the inheritance because the Bible says God's not so unjust as to forget your laboring. God will reward you for your labor. But there's a salvation and a reward that's already secured for us in heaven. And what God has done now empowers us as to how we live our lives. Because we've understood, because we're growing in our understanding, because we are keeping before us the hope that's fixed in the future, because we keep that before us, we are different people. We live differently. We can't be the same. We can't go back to the way we were if you've really had your eyes open to these truths. So, we set our hope on the journey's goal. And secondly, we steer our life, we steer towards holiness for the journey. Reading in verse 14, it says this. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. As obedient children, that's just another name for Christians. I mean, Christians are obedient children. They, they have a heavenly father, and we follow our father. But being born of God, we now live by his, his power. And because you're born again, God's nature is in you. God has begun the work of transforming who you were to who you now are. God has put his Holy Spirit, the Holy One of God, to live inside of you. God has given us his Holy Word to empower us and to help us understand how to live out our lives. There's a power, there's a grace from the gospel that is now, even now, bearing fruit through you. First John chapter 3, verses 1 through 3 says this, See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him. Because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. As we behold the Holy One. As we behold his Son through the scriptures. As he's working in our lives, we are being transformed. And we are becoming even less and less a part of this world. This is not our home. This is not what we're living for here in this life. And as we fix our hope on this Holy One who's given us an inheritance in the future and a promise to finish what he's begun in sanctifying us in the future, when we set our mind and our hope on that, the Bible says that that purifies us. That is transforming us to say, I can't, I don't, I can't live like that anymore. 
Don testified about that a few weeks ago. He was saying how it wasn't the rules that was changing him. It was the Holy Spirit inside of him saying, I, I can't do that anymore. I don't like that anymore. Now, we still have a sin nature, and we're still, in one sense, battling those things. But, brothers and sisters, if you're a Christian, if you're in Christ, you are not the same. And you are not under orders now to clean up your life because one day you're going to go to heaven. No, you are now a child of God. The holy God of the universe lives inside of you by the Holy Spirit. And we are to steer our lives in this journey towards holiness. It says in verse 14, As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as it is written, you, but as he who called you is holy, you also should be holy in all your conduct, since it is written, You shall be holy, for I am holy. Men and women, most of us, I think, are convicted about our lives. We're aware that we're not holy like God is holy. We're aware that we do things we don't want to do. That we get lazy or we willfully choose to disobey God. That is not a reason to not pursue holiness in your speech and how you treat one another and how you treat, you know, the people that God has placed you in to be a witness, how you invest your lives, how you invest your money, how you spend your free time. It says, don't be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. That means before you were a Christian, we, we indulged the lusts of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life. We indulged those things. He said, That's, that was your ignorant days. You're not, in, you're not ignorant anymore. He who has called you is holy, and you are also to be holy in your conduct. And I am to be holy in my conduct. And what a kindness of God that he would put his Holy Spirit in us to grieve when we are not obedient children. When we don't act according to our new nature. When we, when we choose not to live for him and honor him and reflect him. What a kindness that God's Holy Spirit inside of us is grieved Grieving is not condemnation. God is not condemning you. God is just putting his finger on one more area that he says, I want to I come in and alongside of you. I want to make you like myself. I am making you like myself. And the first thing that Peter says to do is what not to do. So he says, as, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. So first thing he says, first thing I want you to do is don't do this. Don't keep living like you were as a non-Christian. Don't go back to those former passions. 
The Apostle John said it this way in verse, chapter 2, verse 15 and 16. Don't love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, the pride of life is not from the Father, but it's from the world. Don't be double-minded. Don't think that we can love the things that we that Christ came to die for and be loving the Father. These are at war with us. These things are in battle with us. Our flesh, craving things, lusting for things, making idols of things, the things that we set our eyes on, the things that this world tries to draw us away from God with. The pride, the arrogance. Steer away from that. Steer towards holiness. Again, from our text, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of their former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it's written, you shall be holy for I am holy. We think about this holiness of God. In one sense, it's about how God is uniquely different than us, uniquely beyond us, uniquely set apart in his character and his abilities, his his mind, his power, his presence. It's beyond our understanding. But it also has this idea of being higher than we are. There's certain qualities that we have like love or patience or kindness or generosity. But God is so beyond what we even, even what we can be. And one of our daily goals, I think, should be to be awed by who God is. To, be, to let him capture us once again with his greatness and his holiness. And if you want kind of like a little, like a, a standard to think, well, what, is that, what does that mean? Well, Isaiah 6 tells us what it looked like for, for Isaiah, who was a holy guy. It says, in Isaiah 6, it says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne. High and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim, each had six wings, and with two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations in the threshold shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost. I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. And impossible as it is, I got, I got a picture, okay? <laughs> That's like saying, you know, look at my little snapshot of the Grand Canyon, <laughs> You can't. But you, you and I, when we, when we are going to be in the presence of God, are going to fall down. 
we're going to fall down and worship. And we're going to see the awesomeness of the God. You know, I wish Steven Spielberg would put some money into making something like that, you know, so I could just... But it won't be what it is until we're there. And there'll be beans there, and there'll be lightning bolts, and there'll be peals of thunder, and there'll be singing, there'll be incense, and it'll just be amazing. When, when Isaiah, this holy prophet, came into the presence of God, he was undone. Brothers and sisters, how do we wrap our mind around God saying, you shall be holy, for I'm holy. Now, well, we won't be God, but, you know, when the disciples went up on the hill of transfiguration and they saw Jesus and they saw Moses and Elijah with him, he, he, he thought they were all together, you know, <laughs> starting to make little booths for all of them. But God is transforming you to be a holy, to be holy. And how does that change what you think about your life now? How does that change? How does that, how does that sit with our desire? How we live out our relationships, how we live out our priorities, how do we live out you know, our, our difficult times? Ephesians 1.4 says, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. Before we were ever made, God's plan is for your holiness. Ephesians 5, 8 and 9, 8 through 10 says, For one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. You were darkness. You're not darkness any longer. You're children of light. You want your identity, what, who, who you are? God has taken you from being darkness and transformed you. You, you, with your friends, with your family, on your work situation. You are a child of light. You're not darkness. You're not like them, just trying a little harder. You're not. You are different. You have a different identity. You have a different makeup. You have a different, you have a Holy Spirit inside of you. But you know, grace precedes the command. How could we even begin to think that we can live this way without knowing the, the incredible grace of God that's being lavished on you and on me? To get, on this, to get on this journey. <laughs> because it will be a journey. And it won't be fulfilled completely until we get to be with Christ. It won't, we won't really get there until he comes. But he wants us going there. He wants us to be steering our lives towards holiness. That doesn't mean self-righteousness. It doesn't mean arrogance. It means greater humility, greater awareness, 
of our weaknesses. You watch the Apostle Paul throughout his writings in the New Testament. And the, and the later the writing of a, a letter to a, another church. And he was more and more aware of how fallen he was and how sinful he was. He says, I'm the greatest of all sinners by the end. In the beginning, I was the least of the apostles. And by the end, he said, I'm the greatest of all sinners. So you'll be humbled in this process. But God will be transforming you and your life. Thinking this way doesn't happen automatically. It requires a focus. It, it, it requires steps of obedience. Concentration and intentionality. The Apostle Paul, writing to the Corinthians, said this in 1 Corinthians 9, verses 24 and 25. Don't you know that all... In a race, all the runners run, but only one receives the prize. So run that you might obtain it. You know, just thinking back of all those stories. A lot of people went after the grail. A lot of people, you know, got on ships and started going further, you know. A lot of people, you know, were seeking so forth, you know, for some kind of Long life situation. But there are some who achieved their goal. Are you running in a way to win the prize? Do you want to win the prize? Because it says run in a way that you might obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we, an imperishable. So I'll put before you this guy. What did it cost him? What did that cost him? It cost him everything. Nate Moore had a real good word for us this morning. He was talking about the treasure that was in the field. And the man sold everything he sold. He sold everything so he could buy that treasure. So he could get that treasure. And we don't compare ourselves to one another. We don't need to do that. But are you steered towards holiness? Are you like, I want to fight this battle. <laughs> I want to get some help. I want to get in God's word. I want, to, I, want to, I want the grace of God to work more deeply in my life because God is for this. God is for making me more like himself. Michael, we're going to move on from you. The Apostle Paul said in Philippians 3, not that I've already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. This is a journey. The journey is not like you coast to the end. This journey will, it'll cost you. 
It'll probably cost you quite a bit in this life. But it'll be so worth it. And your joy will be incredible. Your peace will not make sense. The peace that you have will not make sense to the people around you. The joy that you have won't make any sense. People will think you're, you're just not being real. You're just not looking at reality of circumstances. Don't you, don't you see how dangerous this is? Don't you see how foolish this is? But if you set your eyes on what God has already promised that is coming to us at his return, everything you need has been taken care of. Everything you need has been taken care of. And you are guarded and you are protected and God is caring for you and God is providing for you. And he says, join with me. Join with me. I'm making you holy. Be holy. Live your lives in a way that honors him and serves him, pleases him. Uh, worship team, you can come on up. Thirdly, supply your soul with wonder for the journey. Verse 17 says, And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile. Uh, Kenny Lewis did a great job yesterday uh, at the men's uh, breakfast that we had together, just showing us what that sacrifice was that Jesus went through to pay for our sins. God did not and could not and would not pass over sins. He would not. He would not minimize our sins in order to bring us into heaven. He paid the highest price by pouring out his wrath and judgment on his own son. And that holiness of God, that, that righteous indignation of God, that power that God has, and that position God has as that kind of a judge, that should sober us up. There should be a holy reverence and awe, a fear that says, I can't just be playful about this Christian life. I can't just make jokes about who God is. I can't take lightly his mercies and his forgiveness. Because this God, he is, he's, a, he's a consuming fire. He's a God to be feared. Jesus said, hey, don't fear, any, don't fear people who can just kill your body. Fear the one who has the potential to put people in hell. So as we, as, we, as we go into this journey, there's, there's motivators here in these last few verses that, that will aid us, will fuel us as we take a, a sober look at our lives. And so the first thing here says that you need, to be, you need to see, this is your father, yes. But he judges impartially according to your deed, to deeds. And Jesus has paid for your sin, but be aware, <clears throat> this God should be feared. I think it was the Chronicles of Narnia that said about Aslan, you know, they asked the beavers, they said, is he safe? He says, safe? 
No, he's not safe, but he's good. He's not safe. So, supplying your soul with this is a God who's worthy to be feared. Verse 18, knowing that you were ransomed from your feudal ways, inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. And he's hearkening back to the, the Exodus when a spotless lamb was what protected them from the angel of death coming upon them. And it says, the second point here is, you, you, were, you were ransomed. You had a death sentence on you. We have a, an eternal judgment that was coming our way. And this was costly for God. He couldn't just, you know, amass a lot of money to pay this off. There was only one way that this could be paid, and that would be by a spotless lamb. Jesus Christ was that one. John the Baptist, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So if you need fuel to say, hey, this world gives me this, what's going to, what am I getting for serving God? Remem- remember, you were bought, you were paid for. You were purchased. And if you've never put your hope in Jesus Christ and you think that your good deeds is going to be enough with this holy God, please talk to us because the scriptures would say there's none righteous. There's not even one. But Jesus became sin and gave us his righteousness. So if you've never put your hope in Jesus Christ, please, at the end of the service, I'd love to talk with you or one of us would like to talk with you. And then it says in verse 20, He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last days for your sake. Who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. This God is God. There's nobody who was around before the foundation of the world that was showing up later on to do anything for you. There's only one who could do that. And your hope and your salvation is in that one. And he has set his heart, his affections on you. And so the wonder of that, as I said, I can't improve on what Don did last week because it's just perfect, you know, in my mind. Just explaining the wonder of God choosing us because You don't have to do a lot of self-evaluation to realize, why would a holy God choose me? Wouldn't. No sense, doesn't make any sense at all. But that mediator, that one God from eternity past appeared at a particular time appointed by God in order that you and I could also be raised from the dead and born again. Our hope is in God. So how important is it to have wonder in our lives? 
I like what J.I. Packer said. He said this. He said, if you want to judge how well a person understands Christianity, find out how much he makes of the thought of being God's child and having God as his father. If this is not the thought that prompts and controls his worship and prayers and his whole outlook on life, it means that he does not understand Christianity very well at all. And that's just a slice of all that God is that he made you as a child. We, we've, we've talked more about even more things that God has done for you. So if you and I come into times of worship or encounter with God's spirit, and we're like, you know, I had a late night last night. I don't really feel too much like this. Or I got some things going on in my life that are kind of challenging and hard. I think I'll just wait and see if those things get better. Maybe I'll have a little bit more desire at that time. Let me, let me just let me call you to who you are as the ones who will be spending eternity on your face before this God. Enjoy in awe, in wonder, not afraid, not condemned, but in glory with God. And we get to do it by faith when we don't see the, the easy things of life or the comfortable things in life. We get to do it in faith now because we know that these things are true. Let those things fuel you in the hard times. Set your minds on the things that God has promised already to you. And we're looking forward to his return. And this journey will take us to his throne of grace. And we'll experience that joy together. So our big idea was this. Exiles, that's who we are, inspired by their awesome God, should seek to live our lives, our, our lives, our, seek to live holy lives in our journey to a promised future. We should seek to live holy lives in this time. So let's pray. Lord, we need your grace. Open our eyes. Open our eyes that we can freshly remember what you've promised to us, what our future holds for us, what's already begun in us. And on this journey, Lord, we want to bring glory to you. As, as exiles in this world, Lord, we are looking to a better city. We are looking to a better home, a better country. We're not home yet. But home is coming, and we want to live for you. You know, we're going to stand and, and sing here in a moment, but I want to just give you a, a thought as, as you're worshiping. The team is, has, I don't know, felt prompted or so forth to extend worship just a little bit if people want to respond. And perhaps God's Holy Spirit is prompting you to just Stand before him, you know, here, whether you have somebody pray over you or whether you want to just be by yourself with God. But sometimes it's helpful, I find, to kind of tell God, Lord, this is where I'm at. I'm cold. I'm hardened. I'm trying, but I'm failing. And 
But I, I, I want to put a stake in the ground, a fresh stake. I've put a lot of stakes in the ground. But I want to say, Lord, I, I, I don't want to miss out in the journey. I want to I live my life for you. And so as we sing this song, if you'd like to come forward, don't feel any pressure to do that. But if that would be you, feel free. Feel comfortable doing that. We'll linger for a little while. If you'd like to be prayed for, we'll pray for you. And then eventually we're going to release those people who are ready to, to head out. Um, so you can stay for a few minutes. I know the Cross Current's got a, a luncheon afterwards too for, for the Cross Current Small. So let's stand and sing.